Welcome to another episode of the Covenant Community Kids Podcast. <laughs> I forgot our name for a second. I'm Genevieve Jones. I am Jackie Jones, and our guest today is Marie Boland. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. We're so excited to talk to you. I'm really lucky to be on this because I've wanted to have a voice on this topic for a while and I didn't have the right outlet to be heard. Mm. So Dang. That's a powerful start. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not like still upset, but there was a long time that passed when I couldn't express myself. Mm. So yeah. I appreciate this platform and what you're doing for others. Yeah, we're so excited to be able to share your story. So Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. I think I mentioned like when you guys added me on Instagram, I thought it was literal community kids and like you're yeah. trying to engage community mm, members. And I was like, interesting. oh, like my feelings were hurt. I was like, they don't even, they're so young. They don't even remember what happened to me. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I was wow. like, they don't realize I'm not in community. Right. So, and then oh, I looked at oh. it and I was so relieved that it was about people who yeah. I guess had experienced different ways from community and uh, yeah. that I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Uh, we welcome <laughs> all experiences with community here. <laughs> Man, that's so fair though. Like I can totally see that happening. Like a social media outreach to the people who haven't been around as much or something, you know, like yeah. it makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Or like, hey, you were a community kid and we're still community kids. I was like, right, oh, right. Interesting. Oh, man, Evie, maybe we should change that's your danger. title. <laughs> no, but I like the name. The initial thought was like, hmm. But now I'm like, yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, well, I'm so glad, glad that it was um, there for you to figure out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oy. Do you mind telling us uh, just a little bit about yourself for anybody who doesn't know who you are, just uh, how you were involved with community in the beginning and yeah, kind of your intro to it? Yeah, I'm Marie Boland. I'm 34 and I was born and raised in Ypsilanti and Ann Arbor the whole time. And I was raised with a sense that community had a strong influence on my parents in college and beyond. And a lot of their friends were from community, but I always thought community was like a past participle. Like I had no idea it was mm. a current thing going on still, even though as a teen and uh, in middle school, I went to prayer meetings at the Word of God office. I just never saw Word of God gathering, so I had no idea there was even that going on. But that was the community that my dad and stepmom were in. Um, I think it was just sort of, I don't know. I don't really know how that worked. It was in the seventies and eighties. And then okay. literally until 94, until like 93, 94, my stepmom was in the sisterhood house. One of the ladies, they live on um, Glencoe off of Washtenaw, you know? Yeah. The, like the, the Ann Arbor. Yeah. There were like three of them. Yeah. And I think, I think my stepmom actually just lived with them. I don't think she was actually in community the whole time, but yeah. So, okay. And then my biological mom was involved in the Jackson community, the Lamb of God, I think. And she took care of all the little kids, the little lambs. Oh, wow. And she and her friends from there. But they, they were all very close. They were all community people and uh, very, very close. With the, they didn't have any bad experiences, I don't think, with Word of God. Mm -hmm. 
But um, yeah, so I was raised with parents who all were from that. And so it was a big part of my life because you know how you have the, the neighborhood um, Oak, what, Oak Brook? Yep. I was in the Colony Way. And oh, okay. um, just all the Catholics like lived in this one neighborhood by like the 7-Eleven on Hewitt. Yeah, we were just talking to um, Rachel <laughs> Montgomery. It used to be Rachel Borders, I think. Yeah, she up was there. there. Yeah, we went yep. to the same preschool and everything. So yeah. I, like, all of the people had some impacted, were some impacted by community and were all there, like, to attend St. Francis or whatever church was nearby. And we all knew each other from St. Francis and then Huron Valley Catholic School and then... Um, I like literally feel like I knew every Catholic in Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. <laughs> I think there was nobody yeah. new to me when I came into UCO. There was yeah. literally like I knew everybody from yeah. grade school. So I loved having that, but I wasn't really yeah. like close. I didn't have any specifically close friends from there. It was all like my friends from karate and like what ended up being my church youth group. Like that's when I became close friends. Like I didn't really like click with the culture, I guess. Like I just felt like, it was Catholic in name, but everyone's going to be who they are. And so like there was bullying and there was some like clicks and I'm sure you're familiar with clicks in the Catholic sphere, Mm -hmm. but I was very like just waiting to grow up pretty much, even though I loved Mm -hmm. church separately. Like I, every time there was like mass, I was very attuned and very like happy to be there. And I feel like the magic still, um, even if it's like boring on the outside, like I still feel the magic. So I really love being like a religious person and not just a spiritual person. Like I love the mm-hmm. physical part of like being drawn in and like you're gathering and having, you know, breaking bread together. Like I really, and that's what I liked about community. Um, so I, I really liked the, the gathering nature of it. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. I remember really enjoying that about it as well. Like, just feeling part of something is so important and makes, I mean, humans need that. Yeah. We need to be in groups. Yeah. 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 So um, you went to HVCS. Um, mm-hmm. What high school did you go to? Um, I ended up going to Celine High School, which okay. I really liked. I thought I wanted to go to Pioneer and I was kind of bummed because all the cool kids were at Pioneer from my karate school. And <laughs> But we went to Celine and I... I ended up getting close to people from there that were a good influence on my faith life and um, my personality development, really. Um, I got to be myself and see who latched onto that and who really didn't like that, you know, but I (laughs) I committed to being myself pretty much. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So that's great. Like big goofball. Usually like guys get away with that a little bit easier, but I just was (laughs) like, who cares? Yeah. So So you said that you were growing up in like these Catholic circles, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily in community, like not even aware that community was still a thing. Not Um, Yeah. When did you sort of come to see that it still existed? A crush. (laughs) I was in (laughs) um, UCO fall of 2008. I had just come back from a Christian leadership, which is, Almost, I was really the only Catholic there, so I was really open to ecumenism because of this. There were 600 of us in a, in a class of people working for the Lord and working for free and doing a lot of studying for 
um, future generational outreach, stuff like that. And it was about, I was in charge of running a event for prayer meetings. Sorry, not prayer meetings. It was an event for like a weekender for people to come to an auditorium. uh, Sorry, like a full stadium, like a concert hall of praise and worship, um, dramas and like altar Mm. calls. And it was very like, non-denominational pretty much mm-hmm. um which was their version of interdenominational like we're non-denominational therefore everyone and it's not quite how that works in real life but there was no time to discuss theology we were saving souls <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was i was in a big culture shock going to emu to finish out my college because that wasn't where i started but that was where i was finishing my classes and so i was a student at emu but I was going to U of M and I clicked with that much better. And I was just waiting for the years to pass before I was done with my degree. So I could like go save souls. <laughs> but um, it was a very comforting thing to be part of UCO because I was very yeah. much in culture shock. Like I was used to people wanting to help save souls and people were just souls that needed to be saved and there weren't enough of me. So I was like stretching myself very thin in that first semester back trying to like come up with plans to like save the campus yeah and then god calmed <laughs> me down and was like you actually don't have to i would prefer you just pray instead of spending time in your journal yeah. like writing ideas he's like can you just spend time with me please oh i love that he yeah. really did i had this big moment at our first um it was like the uco all around uh regional mm-hmm. like retreat in a conference in January 2009 and I loved it and John Keating I think was there and I was really I knew him from my childhood and he seemed to really enjoy me as a person um but yeah I felt like very excited to be at that and see all the people in the network and I love networking and seeing everyone from Lansing to Ohio um was really cool I started praying more and doing a little bit less on EMU's campus. So somebody invited me to this prayer meeting, um, like towards the end of 2008. And I was like, they have prayer meetings like outside of UCO. Like you're, there's other things you're going to. I want to be part of that, you know? So I went and I recognized people. Just everybody was there. Everyone, everyone from UCO. And I was like, why weren't you telling me you were going to this? Like, I feel so left out. So I have to go now. Now I I have to go and get the cupcakes and talk to everyone after and stuff, you know, the cookies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the lemonade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. would come up to me. Oh, I know your dad. A lot of the older guys. I know Mm -hmm. your dad. Your dad's a great guy. I'm like, I know, I know. And they're like, you got (laughs) to tell him hi. And I wasn't, I'm not really close with my dad. So it kind Mm -hmm. of, and they only live like two miles from the place where the gathering is. So it just felt awkward to be like, whoa. I'll tell them hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weird. I know. It was a little weird. But the best part of community for me was um, since my mom, when I was very young, didn't make it through cancer. Um, mm-hmm. She was diagnosed with stage four sorry. very early in like the early 90s. So oh, wow. she wow. didn't make it. But a lot of people in like the Lansing community, they had come from Jackson. So a lot of the people were the same. They all, like, anytime there was, like, a big UCO-wide gathering or a big, like, um, community, like, they're combined, the people would come up to me and be like, I knew your mom. She was great. Mm-hmm. You have to know this and this and this. You're so loved. And I'm sure she would want you wow. to know this. And I felt like I was supposed to be there. 
And yeah, that's not huge. Course. It was yeah. very like spiritual for me. Like I felt like God oh, yeah. was like, I want you to be here. This is like home. Like God didn't manipulate me, but I felt like very consoled. Yeah. 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 And it's it's so course. important to feel close to her in that way. And I can imagine how impactful that would have been. Yeah. Cause yeah. we didn't talk about my mom in my, in my home, in our home, okay. they didn't let me talk about her. So it was just oh, like wow. cute that people like adults were just like, yes, this is Aww. somebody to be celebrated and cherished. Yeah. And so she are was you. real. Yeah. Yeah. She was real. Wow. I felt a little bit like Harry Potter. Like I was under the stairs until I came to community. Wow. <laughs> That's, That's a really good image. Like, yeah. you're a wizard, Harry. It's like, yeah. oh, people love <laughs> my mom. It's like, you know, he found out about wow. how much his parents loved him. Yeah. And then how he much was people like, loved his parents. And then he was and, taken yeah. to be educated about his, like, spirituality. And, you know, I was like, yeah. everything, everything just wow. opened up for me. It's like I always had the powers, but I didn't understand them. So it's yeah. like the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of completed me. Yeah. That's wild. So yeah. you were, like, part of the... Christian leadership group on EMU's campus and kind of doing... Uh, there was no leadership group then. In fact, okay. I did some important work in my senior year of college to bring uh, UCO more into the EMU space. Okay, and gotcha. I made there be like events like once every so often and I like got the venue and invited the okay. people and made sure that there was really a presence and an awareness of EMU. Even if so, it didn't garner more attendees, it was at least like the Ann Arbor people were more aware of who was part of EMU and right, thought about right. it more. That's good. Yeah. So you, how did you get involved in UCO? Uh, I was just like told to go. <laughs> Actually, there was a, a pre-semester um, like fun event and they went to the the Brotherhood house on 7, 6, it's like 716 the address and we all went there and I dove in like head first mm -hmm. and I met like a couple people right away and then one new one girl was coming in late and I said what's her name I'm gonna pretend like I know her and everyone laughed and that's how I introduced myself I was like Janice <laughs> oh my gosh like it's so good to see you it's so, been like, 20 years yeah it was like the shock factor like got you know I so I like just jumped in both feet and so the leadership team at uco ended up being who that was it was the leadership that were students gotcha. my age. okay okay so there was like 20 people which that's like so many people now that i think about it but it, they were all the cool kids and like yeah that's where i met um the person i had a crush on they never knew but gotcha. um, yeah i like i was like oh wow i like uco <laughs> okay got it so you just like heard about this pre-semester meeting yeah. And went to it and then I'm pretty sure my dad there. like okay. told me about it or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah and then and then I kept going and I went to the big event at their house where you dress in costume and it's like <laughs> what? to get yeah, there's Wait. like a big at the Brotherhood house, you go to it's like a costume party and there's like a hundred people there. Whoa. Mm -hmm. What kind of costume Just for party? fun? Just like any costumes? Like how Yeah, I think a lot of people dressed like country, like farmers the first time. Oh, yeah, so there were a lot of overalls and straw hats and a lot of flannel. Which, themes. Yeah, a lot of flannel and um, plaid. That was like, and actually plaid nice. continued to be like a staple that year for the garb of all the UCO people. So, Whoa. and then my second year, it was Pirates versus Ninjas. So we kicked off the semester what? and I was a majorly makeup ninja. Oh I had like gosh. the eye makeup. I had very dark bronzer. I had I lived my best life that day. That's fantastic. By that by that year I had a new crush. <laughs> <laughs>
But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had moved on. It's college. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. <sighs> okay. So you were like involved in UCO. It's all going well. Um, yeah. And, and then decided... you started to get more involved in like prayer meetings in the community part. Yeah. I dove into prayer meetings right away. So I only had one semester of UCO before I was doing the word of life prayer meetings and I dove right in. Okay. And then I immediately went to foundations class, which fortunately they were still in the beginning of the lessons. I think it's like a two year course or two and a half years or something. And I was maybe three, I don't remember. It was a lot, but I, they actually were talking about the history of community in my first semester. And I remember Dan Keating was like glossing over the big riff that word of God had that hurt everyone. And I remember hearing people over the years saying I was hurt by community and I left. I was hurt. And I remember always thinking, like, how could you be hurt by a community? Like, who were you hurt by? Like, how were you hurt by, like, a group of people? That doesn't make sense. Like, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. So I just was very curious about what that was. And there were a lot of smart question askers in my group. So they tried to get the answers out of um, Dan, Dr. Dan Keating, but he didn't really like talk about it too much. Maybe it's because he wasn't there, but he was like, they just ultimately decided to do different management styles and just still didn't talk about what exactly hurt people. In my hmm. impression, it was the, the rules were harming families. Uh, the, the marriage rule, like where you have to pretty much decide quickly if you're going to marry the person you're dating, that that right. created a lot of early divorces and that was unhealthy for people and other rules like that. Sorry, I'm not quite familiar with that. Is that just the expectation that you should get married quickly or was there? It was in the beginning, like in the 70s when there were like 2000 people and they were trying to like manage all these people. And so they made like a lot of brash rules. Dan didn't go over them, but I was really curious what they were because people leak that information like over time, like not leak, but just it's, it's open They're They're like, Oh, well we, there was, they, they talked about this one a lot. The three date rule after the third date community expects you, like if you're not going to marry this person, you can't go on another date with them pretty much. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Didn't yeah. know that one. Yeah. And then when you are married, there were a lot of rules around like the, the husband should be the disciplinarian for the children. The men should be not like emotionally attached. Yeah, like there was that book, The Obedient Child, yeah. that they kind of yeah. followed. And yeah. about detached, my dad yeah. was like born for that one. Wow. Um, Man, he cared about me, but um, he just was very, I think, as a person, emotionally detached. I think he still is, um, which is part of our riff because I've learned a big part of who I am is I have to express myself, I have to yeah. be heard. Yep. Um, yeah. Without demanding it. If I have to demand it, if I have yep. to demand you listen to me a third, fourth, fifth time, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Man, that's tough. Yeah. So he, Dr. Dan Keating was like kind of glossing over all of this, Yeah. which makes sense to me. Like I remember um, when I started, I was like researching because I was going to write a book about growing up in community. Wonderful. The podcast turned out to be a much better format because then everyone can be heard. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the when I was doing the book, I found out about all these like, um, like sexual abuses in the Lansing community and in, like it, a lot of abuse of power by men towards women. And um, then I found this other article kind of getting into 
I forget what it was. I think, yeah, some of the more like obedient child rules. And I posted to Facebook just like, hey, did anyone else who grew up in community know about this? Because I didn't. And like, I'm not part of community anymore, but I feel like people who are choosing to stay in it should know this. Like people should have a right to know what they're joining, even if it's not happening anymore, which we now know it was, but um, it's, you know, and a lot of people were like, whoa, no, I didn't like, I had no idea. Even people who had like decided to continue on. And then I started getting some, you know, I think I mentioned in like the first episode, my parents started getting phone calls and people started being like, why are you looking at like, this is in the past. Oh, yeah. We don't talk yeah. about, you know, like it, people were not happy that I was kind of bringing it up. So it doesn't surprise me yeah, <laughs> that they were glossing over it then too. And at, at, on one hand, I felt comforted that he was glossing over it because it said to me, we no longer subscribe to that way of life. So we're not going to need to admit to it because a lot of it was word of God. We're not like word of God. We're embarrassed by that second cousin you know, I kind of felt like we wow. have more freedom now. Like, I felt like that was the vibe because mm-hmm. they didn't really yeah. talk about rules for the first year. They just talked about okay. the history and the meaning and the substance of why we gather. And, you know, and you know, it was really cute to me. I was like, well, obviously, <laughs> like, it feels like a second family. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did have options of other types mm-hmm. of communities, though. So I would have preferred to know everything because I was making a decision. And with every meeting we had, I felt more aligned with UCO and Word of Life. And there were other communities like um, Miles Christi, which was Catholic-based. And it was not charismatic, but more contemplative. And I did have a good set of friends there, too, that I'm still very close with. And Mm -hmm. I would have loved to know that. Because at one point, one of my close friends was like, I don't really vibe with UCO. And she she goes with her gut feelings. And at the time, I just Mm -hmm. went with, like, what seemed appropriate for me based on what I knew. So she was just like, I don't have a good feeling. And she chose me Lace Christie and Mm -hmm. it was more regional. It was like anywhere from Detroit to um, Dexter kind of, it was like Southeast Michigan. And we had really pretty gatherings with with that too, but it was, it was Catholic based. And obviously I had my community at EMU, my friends at my church there. So it was like, I really had the option of prioritizing word of life or not. So I felt like I was really, you have to make time to go to these meetings because they're like, it's two or three hours of your night on a Wednesday, every other Wednesday. And then every other Wednesday from that, you're going to women's group and learning about community from there. So it's like every Wednesday night. And obviously that's the middle of the school week. So I had really sacrificed to get to know this group of people. And I really felt like they wouldn't hold back, obviously, like if, this, they're teaching me who they are, so I'm not going to yeah, yeah. be closed off to that. And I learned if there were rules, I usually was really happy with them. I, they seemed fine. They seemed reasonable, but they didn't talk about a lot of rules. I didn't think that they were rule-based hmm. yeah. anymore because hmm. they mentioned like a lot of stuff in community is just unspoken. Like mm-hmm. even our contracts, when you commit, it's just a verbal thing. You stand up like it seemed very casual now. It seemed like they mm-hmm. didn't like how the past went. So they're going a different direction. That's what my vibe was. From, gotcha. There was yeah. only one setting that really made me feel like there was a big rule in place. It came to tithing. And John, John Wilson, I didn't have a bone to pick with him the whole time. But he just seemed like he was really struggling and he was sharing like his 
darndest convictions about tithing, even despite struggling. Like it seemed like he had a good business, but he was like, you have to tithe 10% before, before like uh, after tax. And even if it like kills you pretty much, you have to do it. Like you have to rely Jesus. on God's faithfulness and you have to tithe to your church. You have to tithe to your I was going to say 10% to community. I don't know if it was 10% to community. Okay. I just, yeah. I, I think it was like, you have to be tithing like, I think it was 5%, right? Like 5% to church, 5% to community. I don't want to quote numbers, still a but lot. he was like, it's, <laughs> still so it's a like, lot. it was like before taxes are taken out, that's the number that you have to tithe from. And wow. I remember thinking like, he seemed like he was in a lot of pain yeah. when he was talking mm-hmm. about it. Cause he had kids, he worked and his kids bothered him a lot while he was working. Like he didn't say it in like a negative way, but he sounded like he was really like struggling, struggling. to breathe. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, my kids, they come in and I'm like, daddy's trying to work. But he like talked about it so often. It made me feel, feel like he was really struggling to make ends meet. And yeah, because I know his. Yeah. And it just didn't feel like it felt like something was just very like rule based instead of like from the heart there. But it caught yeah. my attention. I knew that their eyes would be on me if I would begin to tie the community. Like, I definitely knew that that was a big part of what they looked at. So in. When I share pretty soon here what happened with me in community, um, mm-hmm. what I realized was maybe you know, when I looked at the small picture, when I didn't know what was really going on, I thought, oh, it's because they're worried the person I'm with isn't going to tithe. That's what their concern is. Because that was like my big lasting impression of the rules. I didn't know the rules yet in right. community. Um, but when I was done with well, I was in the last semester of college and I was done with the apartment. My friend and I wanted to live with either the or the who are both mm-hmm. very invested in community. And um, my friend, this is a different friend, but she got a very weird vibe with the first home, just as far as the rules. She, I didn't notice. See, I didn't notice they were talking about any rules, but she left that um, tour of their home and talking to them feeling very rule-based, feeling like they were very constricting, mm-hmm. very having high expectations of what they expected. And I didn't notice any of that. Wow. I think mm-hmm. I just took it as, oh, this is like, you know, their standards, their boundaries. But she's like, no, this is very imposing. I don't feel comfortable here. And she was Catholic mm-hmm. and Christian and she didn't like it. So uh, we went to this other family who seemed a lot more laid back and they had a basement with a separate entrance. So she felt a mm-hmm. lot happier about that. And we decided to live there. Um, but I met with them, you know, like I talked to the family and I was engaged after college and, uh, I lived with them and they didn't ever say anything about rules about community or anything I could be breaking about like relationships and yeah, about relationships. So I was dating somebody who they knew of, um, I was mm-hmm. always going to the gatherings and I think people would ask like, Oh, like well, we get to meet your fiance. Um, but it was just very based on a relationship. Like, do you want to us to meet him kind of thing? It wasn't like, why isn't he here? I never got the yeah. vibe of like, why I never felt judged. I just felt like, Oh my gosh, we're so happy for you. Like we'd lo- we would love to meet him. Hmm. Yeah. And we were engaged for, you know, like a year or less, I guess, but there was definitely time. I had a pastoral leader in addition to my women's group, in addition to my foundations classes, in addition to the gatherings, in addition to all the social events that we were putting on that I was, you know, 
asked to go to all the weddings that my friend, there was potential for it to come up. People knew I was engaged. They did. Yeah. Um, and they knew I was dating this guy for like a year before that. So it was very weird when, um, we got married and then I was still in community he didn't go really. I think he maybe came to like a couple of social things, but he never went to a gathering, but I was like, this is cool. His family lives near community. Um, his dad got him a condo near community. And I was like, this just feels like everything's falling into place. Once I have a stable married life, like I look forward to having this as like my anchor, you know, like mm-hmm. you should have your things outside of the marriage that keep you happy. Yeah, and I thought this yeah. was my thing. Cause like we would go to church together. He went to mass mm-hmm. with me. He did. He opened the book for me. He did the kneeler. He like held mm-hmm. my hand in prayer. It was very cute. And he, he was raised Lutheran, so I had no idea he would be turned off by anything Christian. But the way community yeah. related to him moving forward definitely, I think, made him like a worse person, honestly, because mm-hmm. he saw how much I was hurt. So the thing that happened was, yeah, this is when I was in total shock and denial. Like I was like, I, I want everything in my life to be about community at this point. You know, everything that's free time, pretty much. Um, yeah, they... I got married February 2012, and as you know, I really started getting involved in community January 2009. Yeah. So I had been very committed for um, several years. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think it was a a three-year course because 2009, 2010, it was a four-year course, the foundations. You have to be in it for 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. I only had one semester left of that. Four years. Wow. I had put in three and a half years by the point where this conversation happened. So everyone knew me. Everyone knew what I was about. I was very close to everybody. And community really was just kind of a means to be networked in and not forgotten, like, as a believer. Like, to not be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Like, people saw me at the gatherings. They knew who I was. I felt validated as a believer. I felt validated as a person because they knew my family. And that's one of the only contexts in life that I had a view of myself as a family member because they saw me as a family member because I didn't really feel that way in my real life. Yeah. Um, My parents never had me over. And so it was very bizarre. I mean, at Christmas, I guess they expected, but it was weird how they lived like two miles away and they never invited me over for years. I mean, we just don't, Hmm. it was just not close. It was just weird. Yeah. So 2012, I'm still doing my women's group. I still have my pastoral leader. I still have my foundations classes and I'm going, 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 and I'm working full time. I've been working full time for three years now, two years now. Wow. And in this Catholic software company where everybody, like everybody. Mm -hmm. So even your workplace. Out of the 50 employees, about 15 of them were from community or had parents in community. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so I was like feeling like, I'm in the center of everything. There's a book that says that she's laying in a field and it's like, that's the cover of the book. It's the center of everything. And it just says this like peaceful (laughs) image with like this golden sun, like shining on her. And I felt like this is where I belong. And Ann Arbor is my favorite city. And I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. called to stay here and do ministry locally instead of like traveling to do mission work. You know, I can welcome people. I can bring people to the community to evangelize because I'm driven by evangelism and, I mm-hmm. felt like community was a good outlet for that. So I just thought there's not, there's yeah. not no holding back at this point. So I had made my commitment, by the way. Um, my first okay. commitment was 
uh, Valentine's Day 2010, my like UCO level commitment. And then my okay. more. Do you mind? Co- Go ahead. Sorry. Do you mind uh, just briefly like describing what that was? Is that verbal standing up and. Yeah. So I what, think what you happens, were saying in the commitment. Yeah. Maybe every six months they do them. And there was, they have a sit in a separate section from the rest of the community. There's like maybe 12 of us or so. And we all knew each other and we, they just give us one single sheet of paper, nothing to sign. There's no underline for a signature. And it just says, mm-hmm. this is what you're saying. It's very casual. You don't have to sign anything. You're just saying I'm an affiliate of UCO and I, I'm here and I want to be part of this right now. And I don't know like what the future holds, but for now I'm committed as an affiliate with UCO. Okay. And they were like, you don't even have to like have like a tithing proof to like show. It was like, you could tithe. Very, very casual. Yeah. I did tithe to UCO a little bit, but not 10%. You know, it was like two to 5%, which was high because I was still trying to. I was still trying to support church. Well, at that point I had, done with college but right after college I got engaged so it was like I was also Mm, wedding planning you know I was trying to stretch myself um but what happened was oh yeah and then my more serious commitment the one before the final commitment I made that in November 2011 I was engaged I was happy everyone knew I was engaged I had a ring on my finger I mean (laughs) yeah and he wasn't there for the commitment so I mean Anybody could have pulled me aside. They knew. You know people yeah. in community are comfortable pulling you aside and telling yes. you things. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. You know they would have said yeah. something. Uh, and, oh, by the way, I asked my priest if it was cool. I was like, if he's not, if he doesn't even end up practicing Catholicism, is this cool? And my priest was very encouraging. He was like, wow. um, back in the olden days, like back in right after Jesus' times, you would marry um, to evangelize. <laughs> He's oh, like, wow. so based on the history of the church, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. So and I, that was the priest outside of priest in my community. church at EMU, yeah, EMU, EMU campus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it gets dark. Yeah. I was fully invested. Um, I had just gotten my first like guinea pigs. I was like, I had my first pets. I was settling into my marriage home. It was this little condo and I felt so happy. And when women's group came, I was like, can I show you guys my little pets? And they were like, whatever. Like, but I was the only one married, but I felt good about it. Cause I was like, this is where we had all talked about wanting to get married. So I was like, this is the way, you know, (laughs) it's like so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, these, and all of them were EMU people. Like they were all either living in FC or had gone to EMU with me in the same class. Like we were all very close Mm -hmm. and some of us worked in the same building. So it was just funny. Like everything felt centered and together for me. And I was really excited. And so I got married February, 2012. This was March, or sorry, this was May or June of 2012. I, um, they were calling down the list of people that had women's groups and just asked, which, what's your schedule for this fall? Can we get you in a good women's group? Do you want to continue with your same one? And mid call, she just said, um, never mind about your scheduling. I don't know if we can do this. And I, I still have a knot in my throat right now. And I was like, um, yeah. wait, just, just schedule me for what my group is now. Uh, it's going great. Um, schedule me for my current pastoral mm-hmm. leader. Things are going really great. I feel very understood by her. I feel very guided. 
uh, um, I'm going to have somebody call you. So I got a call like the next day or something. And he's just very calmly is like, so we aren't going to schedule you for women's group for this fall. Um, you can take it up with John Wilson if you'd like, but we are unable to schedule you because you don't have your husband in a group and you have to be in matching groups um, to be involved and you, you're not going to be scheduled for this fall and actually you can't have a pastoral leader either. Oh, Marie. And I was like, wait, though, that's like not happening because I'm, I belong here, so keep me going. I'm in it. I've just made yeah. my commitment like yeah. ten, 10 months ago. You're so invested. Um, please have John call me. I don't, I have some questions. Yeah. And I was yeah. like sobbing. I was crying like this. My voice was very broken. I was like saying, no, wait, no, wait. So I'm sure I sounded argumentative, but I'm just broken. Yeah. And by the time John calls me the next day, he was extremely cold. It's like he was told I would cry or something. He was like braced for something. That's what the tone of his voice said. John Wilson, the one who had been teaching me for three and a half years at the Taj, the garage Mahal in Ipsy. Um, you're risking your car's life every time you drive there because of all the potholes. <laughs> he knows I, he knows my commitment and he just coldly said, we just can't schedule you. Um, you're, we're, you're married, your husband's on a community, so, um, and we're not going to give you a pastoral leader. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. What about that commitment that I made? What does that mean? Yeah. He said, well, we're just going to consider it on hold. And I said, on hold until what? I'm probably still going to be married to this person. Yeah. He said, it'll just be on hold for like a year. And I was like, like a year? I was like, what's supposed to happen? I said, what's... Because, you know, I'm trying to sound reasonable, but of course you don't sound reasonable when you're challenging somebody in general. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. he... And I didn't know anything about culturally about men and women in community yet. I still literally had no idea there was a difference between how men and women were treated. I think he was expecting me to just be like, okay, sir. But I was like, wait, right. what's yeah. going to happen in a year then? Because I'll probably still be married in a year. What's supposed to change? He's like, well, we'll see. And I said, I'm not right. I'm not done with this conversation. And I was like crying and I was like, you can't, yeah, you can't make this decision. You don't even know me that well. How, I, who can I, who can I talk to that knows me? Who can get in touch with you? And he's like, well, uh, Dave Hughes is in charge. Um, but I really am, you know, part of the person that makes the decision, but you know, he's the one that's really in charge. Um, and I was like, okay, so let's talk to Dave Hughes. He knows me. His wife is yeah. the sister of my mom's best friend. They know me really well. His daughter and I used to play together as kids. We know each other. And I went to her wedding. And there's no way this can't happen. Like, I'm going, right? And and I can't not be in it. And, I, and he's like, yeah, you don't get a pastoral leader. And what he said was, I said, what about community gatherings? And he said, well, I mean, you can at least go to those. You won't be considered a member, but you can come pray with us. Oh, like no. he considered me like already not in it without any explanation. He didn't even really explain the dynamic of they just they said you have to have a husband in a matching mirroring group. But he and I said, no, it's fine. I don't have to be relegated that way. I'm with my friends. 
we all have a very similar style of life. Like I'm married, but like at the time it was a good socioeconomic socioeconomic situation and a good foundation. Like it was a good physical, emotional situation for me to maintain my relationship with community. Cause yeah. you know, I was just out of college and that was meaningful and financially helpful to have a family, mm-hmm. his, the family I married into. They loved me very much. So I was like, my foundation for life is set. I just have to keep going to community. Um, I said, don't change anything then. I don't want to be relegated uh, into your, into the system. Just leave me with my friends. They're going to get married. We'll just stay in the same yeah. group Yeah. we get married. I mean, this is crazy to me. We should all be together. This is a stable thing for me. But these are things I tried to get out, you see. I was trying to get this stuff out. And he, I was crying. And, yeah. and one of the things yeah. I was explaining, obviously, I had a lot right. to explain and fight for. And he didn't want me to fight for it. He wanted me to accept it. And without question, without any explanation. And to just obey. At one point he was, he was responding coldly to everything. And I burst into tears more. And he said, I'll wait. Oh my God. And that just killed me. I thought that was so disrespectful. It is. I'll wait. And this wasn't that Mm -hmm. far into the call. The call wasn't very long, five to 10 minutes. It was so rude. They never met. They missed these vital questions of, um, do you guys want to meet with us and discuss if yeah. you'd like to be part of community? Yeah. Could we, right. could Does we have, could we have him out to yeah. lunch Let's get and to know ask him. if he wants to go? I was never, I was never told you have to be part of community. To, I, was, I never made him go. I was like, I, I, my personal thing is like, if you would go to church and if we have kids and you help me bring them to church, I would be super happy. And then this can be my thing, you know, that I do to get filled, which is so healthy. (laughs) I don't need my husband to be the spiritual leader necessarily. He was though, because he was the one driving me to church. He was the one reminding me, okay, it's four 30. You got to go to community gathering. And I'd be like, no, I want to stay here and eat cake. (laughs) No, you got to (laughs) go. So yeah. It it was devastating. And I, my psychological process took very long. Um, I did talk to Dave Hughes within that week and he sounded very much like I was still included yet. All of the things John said were the same. He's like, yeah, you know, Dave Hughes comes across very warmly, but the, the, the move, he made zero moves in my direction to help me. So he was like, yeah, uh, you, you say John Wilson told you I'm the one that helps make the decision. He's like, well, John and I are peers and we make these decisions in tandem. So whatever he says is pretty much what I, you know, he said, brother in Christ, is this what you think? And I said, yeah, that's what I think. And I'm like, how about challenging him on it? Yeah. Shake it up because I belong here. I belong here. And you guys don't know me. You're the leaders, but you don't know me. You don't know how much I belong here. You haven't been along for the ride. Like my life is intertwined in this now and I'm not ready to say goodbye. This would really devastate me right now. I'm devastated. He's like, I'm sorry, Marie. Like he was warm. Like, I'm sorry, Marie. I know this sounds hard and it's just what it is, you know? So I talked to, so I got off the phone with him, like obliterated. Like my emotions were just destroyed. Like I literally just couldn't, I went into an instant depression um, which lasted for about a year. I will say the first six months, I couldn't even pick myself up to even process it all the way because too many things yeah. came to process at once. And I'll, right. I'll unravel it for you 
first of all, we're a bulwark. That's all of the songs, all of the messages. We're part of a, I don't know what a bulwark is, like a wall or something, like people yes. holding hands. Something together. People yeah. holding hands. You know, I picture that, I picture that um, the globe, it's always like, together yeah. like uni- unity it's like these like cut out hands all holding and the, everybody looks different and they're holding hands around the world i was like we're a bulwark i'm part of that bulwark it's like a secret club of like god and yeah. i was like selected by yeah. god to be together and holding yeah. it up mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah i'm like i literally teach all your first graders for the last two years yeah. i've been teaching all your first graders at all your gatherings like i literally am committed You've given so much. You're not just committed. You're contributing so much. I've given so much. So much. The amount of potlucks. <laughs> the amount of lasagna. <laughs> and I don't even cook. <laughs> the amount of lasagna I've contributed to this community is unmatched. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> oh, my God, Marie. I, so I just couldn't even. So after talking to friends, a couple weeks later, I called. Um, I wasn't going to call John Wilson. I called Dave Hughes again because at least he was somebody that wasn't making me feel tiny. Um, yeah. I said, look, I heard this girl is somebody you guys made an exemption for. Somebody said she married outside of community, but she's still able to go. And and they said, oh, she's a special case. What does that mean? And I was like, so you, I said, so you guys clearly make exemptions. Please right. talk about exempting me because you're talking about it like yeah, your hands what are is tied. The... Your hands are tied. Is it because she is basically part of community by birthright what is this right i'm based in community by birthright yeah what is this yeah, your parents were involved and yeah i know so i was just like unbelieving so the ball work thing was one the what do i do now my friends mm-hmm. are in there and i don't have yeah, access to them life. now i'm gonna be seen as a black sheep because nobody's obviously going to explain what they've done. They're just going to be like, Marie doesn't come here anymore. She's the black sheep. Don't associate with her. Like, that's what I thought would happen. And nobody really put me in a different box, but nobody remembered me anymore. Like I was no longer remember. They didn't even remember like, you know, after gatherings, we're going to go get Tony's pizza or whatever. Like I, I was brought into nothing. And yeah, I just, a lot of the friends that I had that were outside of community had just gotten married. So they didn't have a lot of time to hang out. So I was pretty much alone for 2013 and 2014. I was alone. I was very alone being in such close proximity to Knox Presbyterian church where the gatherings were and having mm-hmm. nobody like stuck a dagger in my chest. Cause I had set it mm-hmm. up. So I would be easily able to be part of everything and it meant a lot for me to be part right, of stuff right. more than it does now at that time in my early 20s i was extremely sensitive to being part of something and yeah. to not be part of something yeah killed me and i was worried it would kill me i was worried for myself in a way that they should have been worried for me so i and can i didn't I understand you, yeah can i ask you a question about that yeah um, you say that you were worried for yourself and afraid that it would kill you. Is it like fair to say that there were feelings of like suicidality with the depression? No. Okay. But it did make me unavailable in my marriage. 
Um, yeah. It did make me much less attractive to him. And I don't know, there, there's issues with him that were so bad that I, I never told anybody. And I didn't have anybody to go to at that time. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I literally didn't even want to tell anybody what was going on. I, I lost my support system. He was my only support system, but he was bad. So mm-hmm. in many ways, from the beginning to end, he was actually a very bad person. But at the time, he was physically all I had. Like, he kept me alive by feeding me. I didn't know I had low iron at the time. Um, and I was constantly dehydrated mm-hmm. from, for some reason, when you have low iron or whatever, you get dehydrated mm-hmm. easier. So I was constantly, like, too weak to feed myself. So he literally kept me alive, um, which made yeah. me depend on him more. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to be somebody he could freely come to in friendship and a husband instead of, you're, you're my caretaker now. You know, that's yeah. like not empowering, yeah. like just to be crying in the right. shower all the time um, because of confusion and having to process all of this alone because I didn't have a pastoral yeah. leader to yeah. process it with. I didn't have my women's yeah. group. I yeah. didn't have my people I saw at foundations that I literally jumped up and down to see yeah. at foundations yeah. classes. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a huge like the word betrayal keeps coming up in my mind, like. Yeah. 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 Extremely yeah. betrayed. Yeah. And at first it was hard to see it as like a community thing because I was like, this is just two people. They they need to step out of my way and mm-hmm. give me life back. Yeah, I was gonna ask, did you have the chance to have a conversation with the person who was your pastoral leader, like a closing conversation, or was it just that was it? Yeah, so as as we discussed I don't, like, as I realized talking to you guys before, I think the marriage thing was a very shallow way to just scoop me out. I don't think it's about that. Yeah, it sounds like an excuse. Yeah. I think I was sabotaged from the outside. um, And I think that my stepmom just put words in their head and they just went with it. Yeah, man. Because so I, my stepmom's the only person to suggest community had this rule. And I said, that's ridiculous. You were part of Word of God. How would you know these rules? And she goes, well, if, you, if you're going to marry, this was the date. This was like our first meeting after I got engaged. I met with my parents because that's how we get together. We meet. <laughs> uh, we yeah. met. And my stepmom just, just said a bunch of nasty things to me. But one of them was to try to tell me I, I'm not going to belong anymore, both to her and to the, the community. And I was like, well, if I don't have you, I obviously need community. So, like, why are you trying to tear me down? Um, but her close friends were the ladies in that house. And so they might have said something because right. about maybe two or three months later, I saw them, the, the women's house, in a vacation and they all seemed to know the narrative of why I got kicked out. And that was really threw me off. It really threw me yeah. off because I was like, you seem so accepting of this, whereas everybody else is like shocked that this is what's happening to me. They were just like, yeah, yeah like that sometimes they just make the rules and it's, you know, you have to be married to somebody in the community. But talk about a fishbowl. I really did try to like people in the community. They just weren't ready. They, we were all around college age. Like they weren't yeah. in a place to really be proposing right now. Um, right, right. And 
there were, I think, more girls than guys. And mm-hmm. the thing is, a lot of them weren't from U- um, Ann Arbor, so that they were just like, you know, a lot of them were just from other school or from other state, whatever, from wherever, just to go to U of M. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we weren't, I wasn't really thinking like they're ready to settle down um, because they're just like living in a household of guys, you know, living for the Lord. Yeah. I mean, I liked, I, I liked some of them enough, but we didn't really click like that. I really clicked yeah. with my husband and he yeah. was really sweet to me at the time. So I did yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you have such um, like an an open heart and like I know that you've mentioned evangelicalism is something that's very important to you and like uh, like you said like you would assume that marrying outside of community would be a good thing and like bring people bring yeah, more people in. Right. And I'm just I'm really sorry. Yeah, and I was like yeah. if this was the rule they would have reached out to me better. Yeah. They yeah. should have warned you. Yeah. I've I have a question. Um, that I hope isn't too tough. If it is, you don't have to answer it, it, of course. Um, but I, I'm just thinking about what you are saying, like some of the things you've said throughout this hour or whatever, like that you're, you do have such an open heart and you're so outgoing and full of like energy and joy and, um, yeah. And that you challenge people. And that you were not, you had crushes and you were following your crush. All these things that like, in my mind, the community role of a woman is sometimes to be more passive and submissive. Not and I, I wonder. Raised. My dad raised right. me and my dad's and a community wonder. guy. And he raised me to be very assertive and aggressive. And I don't know yeah. if that aligns with who I am naturally, but I think so. Yeah, I think it is I who I am. I like think. my dad. My mom yeah. died. I didn't have a lot of the feminine energy, and my stepmom didn't nurture me, so I was nurtured yeah. by my dad. I mean, dad. I'm not saying that you should be that way. But <laughs> it, the memo I'm never saying, crossed my mind. Yeah, I'm just wondering how much, like, maybe they, maybe that they felt threatened by that. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but I never had a conversation right. with them before yeah, that. Right. So I, I don't know how they would have been threatened by my personality. Yeah, just by how confident They saw me in prayer meetings. I'm very submissive. Yeah, I'm well, I wasn't that confident then. Mm-hmm. I mean I I was really looking for acceptance and I think you yeah. live in a certain way yeah, when true. you're looking for acceptance. Right. Totally. Authority is like, oh my gosh, like I appreciate that you're even letting me be here right yeah. now. I didn't know how to take yeah. up space back then. I tried mm-hmm. to make myself small. Yeah. And I got you. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But um, I, I yeah. would not Thank consider you for... a threat back then. Um, yeah. I don't think I did anything problematic in, in the Yeah, community. I don't think so either. I, yeah, no, I certainly don't think so. Thank you for letting me explore that thought. And even, even in a perceived okay. way, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. I've become my own rock mm-hmm. after I left the bad um, situation that I was married in. Mm-hmm. And I actually approached community afterwards and I was like, never mind. Um, yeah. But I, I actually called uh, Dave Hughes every year and appealed every single year for 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, oh 2016. God. I appealed to him every damn year and he didn't budge. I called him every damn year and he said the same thing. Whoa. I'm- and I appealed to him out of heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. Not out of anger. 
I um I really admire your courage and your strength in getting through all of this because this is insanely difficult and I know that there must have been so much grief in this process of coming to terms with what happened and I love what mm-hmm. you said that you've become your own rock um how have you gotten mm-hmm. to that point it happened instantly um once I realized that I was being used yeah um the day I stepped away, it was like I sidestepped it. It was like somebody has you in a chokehold against a wall and all you have to do is step to the side yeah, yeah. to get out of it and then mm. run. Um, you're free. Yeah. It wasn't like anything more than that. It was just a little chokehold and you just side sidestep and then immediately, I don't know if it was how comfortable my friend's room was. Um, she was abroad for the summer. So the summer I left was 2016. The the moment I left, well, I had also a very spiritual moment with God when I did that. I, I went to church and mm-hmm. the church of my childhood and I prayed around the park and God was really, really like almost physically present. It felt like the, the air was very thick with God. It just felt wow. very, very convincing that God was very much consoling me and with me. Um, he mm-hmm. was telling me things, um, little ways of freedom little little things of his intention of freedom for me and that I can do anything now and he was God was just very affirming and very much like the Holy Spirit was like I'm making things new without replacing them I'm making things new at Mm. you without totally renovating them um he showed me a park bench that was that like old but one board had been replaced it was a clearly new board it was like a six plank park bench and one plank was new mm-hmm. and that was very symbolic um mm-hmm. but but i was at my friends and i felt like peace again i was running after peace all the time and that's probably why i needed community so much to stabilize me because I, it was very uncomfortable at home a lot of the time and mm-hmm. i immediately when i left i felt like peace was a person like it just felt so thick in my life like you don't have to chase peace anymore it's just there you just have to get rid Mm. of what's making you feel like it's going away from you yeah so for the past six years peace has been a person oh i am so glad to hear that like you've gotten to a place where you have that and we're through the other side and stronger for it and you know I just I'm really glad to hear that there's a, a peaceful end to that story because <laughs> that's rough. That's hard. Yeah. yeah. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. I know it's yeah, seriously hard, hard to share. Um, and I really appreciate it was you trusting such a us with simple that. narrative that changed everything for me. Just yeah. the simplest plug and play. It was just the plug and right. play didn't work. We won't get a yeah. new USB cord or HDMI cable. We're yeah. just going to say this, this cord doesn't fit. It's crazy to me that you had to do like four years of foundations and three levels yeah. of commitment and all these things to get into it. And yet they could just call you and say it's done. Like, and expect you to just obey. Take it. Yeah. Like, if yeah. I'm not even part of this, why are you expecting me to stand down? Right. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What, what authority do you have now? Why are you yeah. expecting me to lower my voice and stop crying? Right. Yeah. You're not, yeah, you're yeah. not in my life. According to you. Yeah, according yeah. to you. So like, yeah, stop yeah. it. 
I'm so the one. I'm the yeah. one. You know, now I'm yelling, but I wasn't yelling then. I was sobbing. It's hard in the moment. Yeah. I'm the one who you just gave me freedom, so I'm using it. <laughs> yeah. Why are you talking me yeah. down? Yeah. <laughs> you told me to walk the plank, and I'm splashing. Stop telling me to stop splashing. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. To make a splash. Yeah. I can yeah. involved. Good for you. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Man. Well, thank you, Marie. This has been amazing. And just to repeat, I'm just so grateful Seriously. for you and your vulnerability. And I know that that is like, you know, not something that everybody does all the time, especially on a podcast. So just so grateful for you and so glad you're here. Yeah. 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 Me too. Thank you, you for sharing. I'm really blessed by you guys yeah. too. I can't yeah. wait to hear this podcast. I might cry again, but in a good way. <laughs> yes. Good. I yeah. hope it is like cathartic just to know that like now it's out there. Whatever whatever yeah. followership it's we good have to at know. least, yeah. you know. <laughs> I just want people to know like their authority yeah. can yeah. do this to them. The people right. that are protecting right. them can just cut them out and still right. expect mm. submission. <laughs> I will not back down. <laughs> We love you. For Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got your back. Yeah. Never yes. back down, guys. Oh. Right. Well, have Thank a good you. Sunday. You too. <sighs> you too. Thank you so much. I feel so much oh. love for you guys. Right back at you. Oh, my God. You too. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. 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 And thank you to everybody who continues to listen mm-hmm. and support us. Please uh, continue to do so on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, yeah. subscribe. And if you mm-hmm. tell your friends, uh, what was our sign off? Um, do something nice for yourself. And if you feel shitty, do something nice for somebody else. It helps. It does. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>